0: The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine featuring topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month... Get an update from the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped, and Randolph Shepard Vendors of America celebrates a milestone. Welcome to ACB Reports for November, 2018. The update from the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped NLS, is a highlight of each national conference and convention of the American Council of the Blind. This year, NLS Director Karen Kenninger presented this update to the convention assembly.
1: It is one of my favorite times of the year when I get to speak to you guys about the thing that I am personally the most passionate about, and that is the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped. So thank you for inviting me, Kim, and all, and I'm going to talk a little bit about what we've been accomplishing this past year since I spoke with you last, and then I'm going to talk to you about our future. So during this past year, we've been working very hard to look at the NLS service and to look at how we are going to be going forward. So we contracted with a consulting firm, which is a government thing, I understand, to look at several things. We asked them to look at the concept of what does the next generation talking book machine look like? Should it be something that is a commercial off-the-shelf kind of product or should it be something that we design as we always have done? The answer will come in a minute. We also worked on the Braille e-reader concept. Now some of you may remember that from the time that I became this took this position my goal has been to get Braille e-readers, refreshable Braille devices into the NLS program for all Braille readers so that everybody will have the benefit the benefit that I'm, I'm taking advantage of right now with, with a Braille e-reader that I'm reading my notes off of, we want to be able to do that, and that when I started, the, the technology wasn't there to, in, in an affordable way. And over the past six years, there has been a lot of progress in that. So this last year, one of the things that we did was to partner with Perkins, thank you, Perkins, for uh, a pilot project with Braille e-readers. Perkins purchased the Orbit readers and sent them out to many of their patrons. And we worked on that. And we learned several things. One of the things that we learned was, yes, we like Braille e-readers. And another thing that we learned was they're not 100% quick and easy to learn. So there's got to be a little bit of training. So those were a couple of, I think, important things. We will have a wrap-up report by the end of the year. That was one of our projects. Another of our projects this year was something called MOCA. Now, MOCA was only, we only had about 150, I think, of those sent out to patrons around the country. But the purpose of MOCA, which we called the mobile, what did we call it? Cartridge, thank you. <laughs> I was going to say mailman. But anyway, the mobile cartridge was to find out several things about digital delivery. Because digital delivery is in our future. So these, these products, which we made pretty much in our laboratory, were sent out to people with um, the ability to have them automatically download things off of the wish list in BARD. The people that we sent them out to don't want to give them up because rather than, rather than getting their books through the mail, they now pop a cartridge into this device, pull it out, and it's got a new book on it. We won't be doing those in a big way, but we do know that we will need some kind of delivery system that is that quick, that simple, and that reliable. We also learned a lot about data delivery, like in some parts of your house you can't get it, in other parts you can, and some other things. More on that in a minute, too. So another thing that I have wanted to do since I've started, and I think we've wanted to do as a a system forever, is to increase the number of people who actually use the program We know that there have been a lot of people who could have used it a lot earlier if they'd only known about it. So we were fortunate enough to be able to launch an ad campaign um, this past February that runs on television, radio, and um, internet resources to promote the NLS program. Has anybody seen it? Awesome. We've got really good results in terms of callbacks from that ad campaign. We don't yet know what the conversion rate is, that is to say how many people actually signed up or will sign up for the service once they've called back and got more information. But it's been very positive and I'm I'm excited because I think that we will definitely make some inroads in terms of reaching those people who are out there who just did not know that NLS even existed. We've been, as you know, using more and more commercial books in our program in the last couple of years. And this past year, one of the benefits of being able to use commercial books is that when a book is really, really hot in the news and everybody is going to be reading it when it's released on a given day, we want to be there, too. So, Fire and Fury, yes, and also the Comey book. We were able to get those out the very same day that the cited public was able to get them, and I was really very pleased about that. Um, we've also found a way to increase the number of titles that we have, In order to fill in old series, I know some of you love to read your series, and you've been not real happy with the fact that we have great gaps in them. So we are filling some of those series out. Now, the problem with having so many books to do, and we have increased the number by 250% since I started, by the way. My pleasure. The, the, one of the problems with that is that our system requires a certain level of um, money and a certain <laughs> level of of product. And in order to add a lot more books, we came to the point where we were not able to put them all on cartridges with specialized labels and send them out to the libraries to put on their cartridge on their shelves. Some of the books that we're adding, and they're all the mostly the older books, are barred only. So they're not put on cartridges, and they're not put in TBT. Now, some of you use BARD, yes? Awesome. (laughs) But some of you don't. Anybody admitting you don't? (laughs) Okay. So those of you who don't, will be able to get a hold of these, these books also because the network libraries can provide them to you. One of the things that the network libraries are beginning to do, and some of you who live in certain parts of the country, Iowa, Kentucky, uh, some places, have already experienced this, but the libraries are finding that it is more efficient to actually provide you with a cartridge with books on it that you want to read as a customized cartridge just for you than to be pulling books off the shelf one at a time, sending them out in the mail, getting them back the way we have always done. So over the next couple of years, I think what you will see is more libraries going to this new system where the cartridges are actually developed specifically for each patron so you will get the exact books that you want and you'll get them in the quantity that you want. This is going to require the use of the bookshelf on the talking book machine for those of you who are still getting things in the mail. And some people have a little trouble with that. The people who are not comfortable using the bookshelf will be able to get books one at a time on their cartridges if they want. But the people who are comfortable with them are getting 10, sometimes 15 or 20 books on a cartridge and um, really enjoying the opportunity to do what those of us who download do now, which is to hoard a bunch of books and read the ones we feel like today. So that will be coming to your network libraries as well. As I said, we've been looking at the future of NLS as well. And I must tell you, I am very excited about our future. Because one of the things that I heard you cheer about this morning was BARD. Yes? And the other thing that got the biggest cheer, as I could read it, was the Amazon Echo. (laughs) Well, what does that have to do with the NLS program? What it has to do with the NLS program is this. The talking book system that we have had for many years has always been based on a device that the NLS program has developed and it is based on physical objects that have been sent through the mail and that has worked very well and we do love our talking book machines they were very carefully designed and they're a really fine piece of equipment but we also have a lack of flexibility when it comes to taking advantage of new technologies we're tied right now to the digital talking book machine we've ex- gone into you know bard mobile so that has helped tremendously for the people who use BARD. But the problem is that, although we have a lot of enthusiastic BARD users here in this room, the percentage of the NLS population who actually uses BARD is like 10 to 15 percent. Yeah, it's really low. And I think I know why. I think the reason that it is so low is that BARD requires some technology and some technology skills that just are not comfortable for some of our patrons, for a lot of our patrons. You either have to use a computer with a sophisticated system of screen reader or screen enlargement or whatever and then transfer it to the cartridge. Even with BART Express, you still have to have all that infrastructure. Or you can use it on a mobile device, but the mobile devices which are accessible aren't all that easy to use in a certain way. I use an iPhone, and this morning I downloaded the program because I needed to figure out when I was speaking. I thought that would be helpful. And what I got was a document that I had to swipe forever and ever and ever through, and I n- never did find what I was looking for. <laughs> the mobile technology with the touchscreen technology for a lot of us is just not the panacea that, that we thought it might be. But guess what? I talk to my iPhone as much as possible. I love to dictate. That was the first thing I discovered. Because typing on that on-screen keyboard is kind of a pain, right? But I dictate to it. Now, there are some disadvantages to dictating. I will grant you that. When I sign my name, Karen Kenninger, it says, Karen can injure. Whoa, yes. So then I thought, okay, I'll say Karen Kenninger. And it said Karen Can Anger. Whoa. (laughs) Well, that could be, but it wasn't really what I wanted to say. So you do kind of have to be careful about that. But the point is that I also talk to my Alexa. And I say, Alexa, play some smooth jazz. And Alexa pops up with some smooth jazz. I say, Alexa play Turn, Turn, Turn by the birds, and it says, I will play, and I always forget the title because it's not Turn, Turn, Turn. It's something else, but Alexa knows what it is, so she plays it anyway. So my point here is we're in that, getting in the habit of talking to our devices, and that's something that doesn't take any technical skill. It might take a little bit of memory. Do I say play or start or read But it doesn't take any technical skill. So my thinking is that the NLS program will jump over, or abandon, well, not quite, but almost, uh, keyboards and touch screens and go directly to voice interface. So what we'll be looking at for talking books is a device. I don't know what it'll look like exactly. It could look like my smartphone. It doesn't matter what it looks like because what I'll do, I'll talk to it. And I'll tell it what I want, and it'll come back, and it'll walk me through the process, and I'll get the books that I want. Now, some people don't want to order their books directly, so this device will also be able to have this, what we are calling the Mocha mode, where it it just pushes a couple of books to you. Each time you want a new book, you say, new book, and it sends you a new book, based on your preferences. So we've got both options. We're going to be able to search and download anything we want, and we're going to be able to um, receive books that are sent by the library. I don't know what the device will look like per se. As I said, the form factor isn't terribly important as long as it's got a good talk button on it. We'll be using digital delivery. Now, this is a nut we have not cracked yet. Let me ask you this. How many of you have Wi-Fi in your homes? Awesome. How many of you have cell data plans? How many of you would be willing or are willing to use your cell data or and or your Wi-Fi systems to download talking books? How many of you don't have Wi-Fi at home? Okay. These are questions that we're going to have to refine, but this is very helpful um, because we're going to have to find out who has it who, and who we would need to supply and how we're going to pay for it. All those things are yet to be determined, but they will be determined because I am confident that we will find our way through. We're going to be asking for funding in 2020 to do two things, one of which is to buy more Braille e-readers. We're buying Braille e-readers this fall, hopefully. We put out a request for proposal, and we expect, we haven't put it out yet, it's going to go out in the next couple of weeks, I hope, and we will look at at the responses that we get on braille e-readers. I know now there are four or five potential contenders for braille e-readers. Some people think that I've been talking about the orbit all along. I'm not discounting the orbit, but I'm just saying there are other options. So we will be purchasing for piloting purposes um, braille e-readers next spring. We'll be getting them out in the field. And we will eventually be going to an almost completely digital braille program to match our digital talking book program. The only difference is that we will continue to provide Braille on demand for certain types of things when required. So there are a lot of changes that are coming. We have a lot of work to do to find out how to do exactly the things that we want to do. But with your support, and your continued enthusiasm about the National Library Service Program, I know that we are going to get to a vision of even better, more flexible, and and more wonderful program with more books, digital delivery, and be able to serve more people. Thank you all very much.
0: That was Karen Kenninger, Director of the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped, recorded in St. Louis in July of this year.
3: From the American Council of the Blind, you're listening to ACB Reports.
0: For most people, turning 50 is a milestone event. The same can be said for most organizations. Randolph Shepard Vendors of America, RSVA, celebrated that 50-year milestone this year during the ACB conference and convention. In a presentation called Celebrating 50 Years of Achievement and Advocacy, RSVA President Dan Sipple and Second Vice President Artis Bazin talked about the importance of the organization to the Randolph Shepard Vending Program. Their presentation began with an overview of RSVA. Happy
3: 50th Anniversary Randolph Shepard Vendors of America, blind businessmen and women building a better America. The Durward K. McDaniel Legal Defense Fund has funded actions defending the Randolph Shepard priority. RSVA's legislative efforts have stopped dangerous legislation detrimental to the Randolph Shepard priority on roadside rest areas. RSVA and ACB made significant comments on DOD rulemaking. RSVA efforts led to President Barack Obama signing the first-ever Presidential Memorandum on Randolph Shepard. RSVA led lawsuits protecting the Randolph Shepherd Act priority for military dining. For the past 50 years, RSVA has assisted states with legislative issues. RSVA initiated a report for the help committee when questions arose. RSVA works to revitalize the Randolph Shepherd program. RSVA supported the passing of the Kennelly Amendment, requiring Randolph Shepherd priority at roadside rest areas. RSVA gave input for the Randolph-Shepard amendments written in 1972. RSVA provides the Sagebrush National BEP Training Conference, the annual National RSVA Conference and Convention, the RSVA quarterly publication, The Vendor Scope, promoting a positive image of blind vendors, the RSVA website with the latest legislation or regulations affecting blind vendors, state and national conferences and business resources, access to the ACB National Office's resource and information giving input on blindness issues, legal consultation on implementation of the Randolph-Shepard Act, and monitoring of legislative and regulatory bodies. Happy 50th anniversary, RSVA, and many happy returns.
2: RSVA is all about promoting the Randolph Shepherd Program and the Act itself and helping to improve it in all the states. And we welcome state affiliates to invite RSVA to come and speak at your affiliate conventions so we can convey to your members and visitors what the Randolph Shepherd Program is all about and how people can get involved in the Randolph Shepherd Program. Many states are looking for new vendors, and many of our vendors throughout the country are getting older and ready to retire. So we need to have new vendors coming forward. We encourage you to come and speak with us at any time if you want to learn more about the randolph Shepherd Act, learn how you can help us to get more vendors involved, and also help us to promote the cause because there's always significant legislation trying to curb what we can do and get us away from being able to serve military dining, et cetera. So we welcome your efforts to work with us to improve the randolph Shepherd program and help us to spread the word.
4: I would just like to recap with... Um, I probably... Many of you heard this one in the past, but my two-minute, I call it my two-minute elevator speech. I was born and raised in Wisconsin. I was born and raised in a farm implement dealership, and my uh, dad was a blacksmith and a welder, and we sold international harvester equipment. So I was sweeping the floor when I was six, seven years old. And when I was, um, I had my first tractor accident Uh, when I was seven years old. I ran over a light pole. And so mechanical things have always been part of my life and but retinitis pigmentosa was was dominant and I didn't know the term retinitis pigmentosa RP until I was sixteen years old. I couldn't spell it and I couldn't pronounce it at that time. But um I worked on trucks when I was fourteen years old, I went to a truck shop and started washing trucks, I became a diesel mechanic and um then I crushed my back, a truck tire fell on me and um, then uh, Volk Rehab said, well, okay, you know, we can help you out. You're, you're legally blind, so the Randolph Shepherd program is available. And I had pretty good eyesight. I just couldn't see at night. And I thought, no, um, that's a good program, but uh, the totally blind need to have that more than I do. Uh, there's other. So I continued on, and I went to work on cars because of my crushed back, became an auto service manager and so on and so forth. And I was still finding myself entrenched. I like to have greasy hands and a wrench in my hand. I was bent over the fenders with my mechanics, helping them diagnose cars. And it didn't work for my back very well. So then the state of Wisconsin passed an auto repair law, and they wanted someone with automotive background experience to enforce it. So I became a white-collar crime investigator for state of Wisconsin, for 21 years, until it got to the point when you're trying to prosecute the CEO of General Motors or Firestone, that you're on the witness stand and you can't read the documents the defense attorney hands to you. Juries don't understand limited vision, believe me. But uh, our assistant attorney generals were very good at explaining it. That's when I made my decision, it's time to you know, let someone else uh, take on that task. So then the DVR come back and says, okay, Randall Shepard program's still available. You know, I, I made these transitions in employment throughout my life and each one I thought was the greatest step I could take because of my health and my eye problems. I got into Randall Sh- Shepard program. It is the greatest thing I've ever done in my life. You know, I've been in it 19 years now and I haven't worked a day in 19 years. It's not work when you enjoy what you're doing. And I have three daughters, all three of them graduated college because of the Randolph Shepard program. My oldest has, uh graduated Summa Cum Laude with a master's degree in Business Administration and she currently pays more in income tax than I earned in my entire life. So please give the Randolph Shepard program a strong consideration to all your family and friends. Randolph Shepard Vendors of America President Dan Sippel and Second
0: Vice President Artis Bazin were recorded during the annual conference and convention of the American Council of the Blind in July of this year in St. Louis. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting.